Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. Happy Sunday. I love to be in the house of God on Sunday. I was ministering in Melbourne this morning and um, on my plane ride home, um, just was I was having trouble containing myself with just the joy of his presence. Who, who um, has sensed that they've had some level of breakthrough since last week? Some, look at that. That's wonderful. Hallelujah. And um, I just, I know that the Holy Spirit is leading us to call us higher. So I want to share with you today. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for your love. Father, we're so thankful for your presence. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here with us. Lord, we ask that you teach us your ways, show us your paths, and guide us in the way everlasting. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would so speak to us. I'm asking for your wisdom and revelation to enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Father, help us to know. Help us to worship you. Help us to love you. Help us to live in the freedom that you've purchased for us. And Lord, I ask even as people are listening and watching, Lord, that you would stretch forth your mighty hand to heal and to save and to deliver. You are God and there is no other. Lord, we give you all of the worship, all of the glory and all of the honor. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. I was worshiping uh, in my seat, my headphones on, just worshiping the Lord. Uh, I've been reading the book of Esther and I. Just enjoying that so much. And uh, I was just worshipping the Lord and thinking, Oh God, I want to worship you more. Teach me how to really give you delight and pleasure. Teach me how to worship you in ways that bring you more and more joy, more and more pleasure. And, you know, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to teach us how to, t- how to really enjoy being one with God. Hallelujah. As you seek him, you'll find him. But one of the things that I've noticed is that the Holy Spirit has been helping me come into a new application of the reality of supernatural peace. We've been been talking for a little while about the kingdom of God being righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That this is what the kingdom is. But my heart desire, and I believe in this Holy Ghost awakening that we are now in, that the Spirit of God is wanting to awaken us to the reality of righteousness, the reality of peace, the reality of joy, to have the Word of God not just be something that we mentally assent to, but to be an, a practical, outworked application in our day-to-day lives. And the beauty of knowing the peace of God means, like I I was going to bed last night, going to sleep, and uh, by myself down in in Melbourne, and I I had just had so much peace. Often when Tom's not there, I've got got my mind going on this and that, and I'm thinking about this, and I, I just noticed I'm so unconcerned about anything. It was a really lovely feeling. I didn't have to try. It was just there. I'm like, oh, lovely. I'm going to listen to the book of Esther and I'll just go to sleep. 
And for many of you, like my husband, he just lives in this happy, peaceful realm. But for me, it was like, oh, this is supernatural. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit is wanting to really bring us into a place where we live practically in supernatural peace. I was here on Tuesday night worshiping and praying with people. And, um, you know, as soon as we start worshiping, in his light, we see light. <sighs> Everything becomes clear. Praise the Lord. And during the day, I, you know, I've got a lot. I'm organizing, got a lot of people. I've got to call. I've got a lot of things I've got to do and arrange. And my emotions would respond to different uh, circumstances. But my habit has been to allow those emotions just to sort of linger, even after I've dealt with situations. And so here I am in worship Realizing I'm just getting caught up into that realm where it's oh, so beautiful, so peaceful, so joyful. And I was subconsciously thinking, oh, I really need to get that, you know, soul, emotion, life that I live in. I've got to get it and bring it up here. And, and I'd have, have had moments as I worship just, oh, it's so beautiful here. It's so free. And I began to, to realize in a deeper level, that this is the place I am called to live in. And for me to keep trying to get my heart and emotions, you know, to, to come up into that place is actually not a necessary struggle. I just have to let go and just embrace it because it's all there for me already. All the joy, all the peace. You know, the Bible tells us that it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. We have been crucified with Christ. Praise the Lord. But for us to actually live in that reality day to day, we actually have to start practically believing it. Absolutely applying the reality of that truth to our day to day walk. If it is no longer me who lives, then what am I doing even trying to sort out all of those worries and troubles. Christ is not worried. I can enter into his peace, into his heart, into his joy, that I have supernatural power not to be pulled about by any form of emotion, but I can embrace the supernatural grace of God to let my soul be completely uh, impacted and reminded, I have the peace of Christ. Hallelujah. I want to read to you from Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Have you got your Bibles with you? I'm reading from the NASB today. It says here, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, as I was looking at that word mind, it, it actually could be also translated affections, your sensitive nature, uh, reigning in your feelings. It's actually talking about your mind, your heart, your emotions, He's saying, I want you to deliberately just set it there in the place where you're seated. 
In heaven, there is no fear. There is no anxiety. There's no weight. There's no oppression. There's no worry. It's just absolute supernatural peace, divine acceptance. It's really good. And he says, Paul's telling us here, hey, this is how you should live. Deliberately, constantly, actively keep your emotions, your mind in that place. Set there. Living in the realm of, oh, I'm loved, I'm free. And you know, if we live with the reality of what Christ has done, the righteousness of God, that we have been truly set free from us, if we believe, that, like it says here, that we have died and that our life is hidden with Christ in God, that it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us, it's a level of freedom that is more glorious than most people truly experience. It's an invitation into a place of such freedom where you can live free from everything that encumbers you because it's no longer you who lives. You don't have to struggle with trying to get your old life sorted out. You can just say, thank you, God, I've died. I'm just going to live here. (laughs) I'm going to reckon myself dead and alive to Christ. I'm going to be able to, to, to tell my soul, hey, don't even engage with that anymore because it's irrelevant. Come on, soul, look up here. It's wonderful. We are living in the realms of heaven. We're living in the realms of, of the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. We must deliberately, actively take up the invitation to set our minds on the things of God, to set our minds on things of love, in that place where we are actually seated with him. You know, it requires more than just, you know, a mental agreement in your head. It's so easy sometimes, I believe, to despise prophecy. That is, when the Spirit of God speaks to us, either through a prophetic word, through the scripture, If the Lord gives you a revelation, if you hear a spiritual uh, word from the Lord, if you hear a, a scripture and it hits your heart and you go, that's a good revelation, and you don't actually take it, meditate on it, and begin to really actively apply it, I believe that we are despising prophecy. And that is that we are, we're like receiving the gift saying, thanks very much, and throwing it in the uh, corner and never doing anything with it. That would be like despising a gift. Some people are really good gift givers. Uh, I had a lady give me this lovely scarf uh, while I was in Melbourne, and they, she, they enjoy giving. But imagine if someone went to a lot of trouble to give you a lovely gift, and you just went, yeah, thanks very much, and you never even bothered really opening it. Or, or you maybe opened it and just put it in the corner. It would be as though you were despising the gift. And in the same way, I believe we can despise prophecy. That is the utterance of God. And that can come through a prophet. It can come through a gift or it can come through the word. Hallelujah. Because this is the divine word of God. This is prophecy. 
So when he says, your life has been hidden, you have died, and you go, yeah, that's great. But you continue to live as though you've still got to wrestle with yourself. You're actually despising prophecy. You're actually living in a place lower than you were called to. And you are struggling with that which you're not called to struggle with. We're called to reckon ourselves dead. Turn to your neighbor and say, reckon yourself dead. And alive to Christ. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. You know, as you, we've got to live on the earth. We are new creations. We've been crucified with him, raised up with him, seated with him in heavenly places. But we still live on the earth and have an earthly existence. And in that place, there are troubles. The Bible talks about that. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Hallelujah. He's overcome the world. And, you you know, when you're dealing with things on a day-to-day basis, emotions are involved. And I'm, I'm a really sensitive person too, so everything I do, everything I deal with, there's emotion somehow connected to it. doesn't probably help that I'm also female. And so there's a lot of emotion going on, and that's okay. But the problem I find can be that after I've done the dealing with this, the things and the situations, I can just let the residue of those feelings just sort of bubble away. And then if I'm not careful, I can start to be tempted to define my spiritual space, my spiritual uh, situation by how I'm feeling. I can judge how well I'm doing spiritually, sort of whether I'm feeling great or whether I'm feeling, you know, a bit condemned or a bit hypocritical, just based on normal emotions that are still just lingering around. But praise the Lord, we are not people that live according to the flesh. We live by the Spirit. And we we can say, thank God that the just don't walk by emotion. The just shall live by faith. We've actually got to apply faith that even if my heart condemns me, you are greater than my heart. That, you know, how am I feeling is actually an irrelevant question. But if my feelings are, are um, bubbling away there, I need to recognize, come on, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you've given me authority right now, Lord, to set my affections, to set my feelings, my emotions on things above. And it's something I have to proactively do. We don't just passively go through this life. We're called to proactively live by faith. It's a doing word. We've got to live, walk it out day to day in a constant way. And deliberately walk out in the power of the faith of the Son of God. The reality of what it means to be no longer me who lives but Christ who lives in me. I've got to set my emotions, set my thinking to line up with that reality, to line up with that truth so that the world around me can experience heaven. He said, tell them when you go and you pray for someone, tell them that the kingdom of God's come upon them. There's an expectation that those that are born again will be 
living portals to heaven. That everywhere we go, people will have an encounter with heaven. I've told this story before, but I remember uh, years ago going into a pastor's meeting. And I was going through a really difficult time. But I, I had my pastor's hat on and I you know, was going to just keep it together and say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. And um, suddenly Charles Stock saw me. He came up to me. He said, Catherine. And I burst into tears. And I was troubled. How did that happen? How did he get under my radar? And I went back to the hotel and went, Lord, how did that happen? How did he get to me? And the Lord just spoke to me. He said, Catherine, because he carries the atmosphere of heaven. And in that atmosphere, you're absolutely safe. You're free to be absolutely who you are. You, you don't have to put on anything. You're free. You're safe. In that. You're completely accepted, totally loved, just like you are. And from that moment on, I made a decision in my heart that I want every person I meet to encounter that same atmosphere of supernatural peace, supernatural love, supernatural acceptance, that I would carry the atmosphere of heaven everywhere I go. I began practicing uh, when Joseph would come home from school. I'd look at the time and I'd think, right, he's going to come home soon. And I'd get ready. I'd, I'd get my head in the right space, I'd, which is set above. And I'd set my mind on things above and remember, oh, thank you, God. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The very atmosphere of heaven now is inside of me. God who is love lives on the inside of me, who is patience, who is kindness, who is goodness. That the atmosphere of uh, total acceptance, total love, supernatural peace is upon me. And I'd be expecting when he walks through the door and I just said hello, that he would be <gasps> impacted by that atmosphere of heaven and feel so accepted, so at home, so loved. And then I began doing it every time I'd have to walk into a function. You know, Tom's a consul and we get to go to different um, cocktail parties and dinners and things. And I, I'd, I'd remember before I walked in, I'd think, Okay, what do I look like? Thank you, God. I've been set free from me. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And as I really let myself think about it, I think, oh, everyone that gets to see me and say hello is actually going to be impacted by the atmosphere of heaven. Everyone who sees me is actually going to have an encounter with God himself. Everyone who shakes my hand is going to think, what is that? And they're going to want to know more about the kingdom of heaven. That is not a vain hope. That's actually the reality of what we're called to live in. Peter's shadow was healing the sick. And the Lord said he was going to take us from glory to glory. This is our invitation. But it begins with righteousness. It begins with activating the faith that God's already given you to actually believe you're not guilty. You're not condemned. You're not ashamed. You are free. Hallelujah. What does it feel like to be completely free from sin and shame 
to have the very motives of Christ living inside you. If you struggle, I don't know if my motives for praying that for that person is going to be right. I said, get over yourself. It's not about you. You're dead. God in you absolutely wants to touch them. You have the motives of Christ. If the Holy Spirit convicts you that you're acting arrogantly or proud, repent. Receive forgiveness. And then just thank him. Ah, thank you, God, I got your motives. Let me read you another scripture. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, Christ has bought for us citizenship in heaven. He has bought for us absolute freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from fear, freedom from everything that would try to weigh us down. He has brought us into his kingdom of light. In the kingdom, it is righteousness, peace, and joy. Anything else is what you have been set free from. And he says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. In other words, You're supposed to actually respond to this invitation and live in it deliberately. He says, don't don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Don't be subject to the yoke of what your emotions might want to dictate to you about your identity. You're feeling bad about yourself. Ask the Lord, is there anything I need to repent of? Repent. If you've done something wrong, don't just cover it over. Expose it to the Lord. Say, that was bad. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I give it to you. And then receive by faith the forgiveness of God. It can happen like that, as fast as I just said it. You don't have to pay for it. And you certainly don't have to live with the ongoing emotion of what you did. Because that is a yoke of slavery. It's so easy to buy into these subtle, satanic, deceitful yokes that want to bind you up and keep you from living in the realm of supernatural peace and joy. He wants to rob you. He's a thief. The devil is a thief. And he continually is looking for a way to try and bind you up in your heart and your mind and your thinking from releasing the glory of his kingdom. He wants to bind you up with lies. It's the only weapon he's got. And he wants to bind you up with the lies. The truth of God is that he has come and made you free. It's for freedom you've been set free. So walk in it. Don't be subject. As in don't don't believe and come into agreement with whatever your mind, your emotions might be going on about. But instead, take them captive and say, thank God, I am not yoked to my old existence. I'm not that person anymore. When something happens to agitate you, frustrate you, you deal with it, and then you've got the freedom to go, thank God, I don't have to live with the residue of that anymore. Thank you, Jesus, that you are full of peace. You are full of joy. I set my mind. I set my affections. Hmm. I don't have to try and get there. This is the key for me. 
I don't have to try and get into a place of peace and joy. I just remember I'm already there. When you get into the thought of, I'm trying to make myself be peaceful, but I'm in a bad mood. I'm trying to be loving, or I'm feeling agitated. I've got great news for you. You don't have to try and sort yourself out. You have to reckon yourself dead and go, thank God, I don't have to deal with that. Ah, oh, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. As you set your heart, set your affections, you go, oh, yeah, <laughs> all right, I'm glad I live here. I'm glad for my family I live here. <laughs> Happy day for them. Happy day for my staff. <laughs> oh, how we love. It's for freedom that we're set free. But it is something that we've got to train ourselves to do. Because the pattern of the world would have us think you are subject to however you're feeling. You are subject to your circumstances. You are subject to sin. You are subject to the way everybody else responds. But actually, we've been made free. We've been set free from me. Hooray. Oh, it's the best revelation. I've been set free from me. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Oh, that's so much easier. Hallelujah. It's simple in the kingdom. (sighs) Joy, peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. The heart of God is so much for us not to live in a state of worry, or concern. Matthew chapter 6 says this. Therefore do not worry, verse 31. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The heart of God is for us to deliberately live in a place where we go, thank you, Jesus. I choose today, with the power that you've given me to make these choices, I choose to seek you. To seek the kingdom is to seek righteousness, peace, and joy. It's to seek this one who is God, who is love, the prince of peace himself. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. You seek, and you don't have to worry, oh, I don't know if I'm going to see him. I don't know if I'm going to find him. That's that's another lie of the enemy, that when you're feeling condemned, when you're feeling like you're distant from God, we can put up the belief that, we can buy into the belief that somehow God's not speaking to us or that it's harder for us to hear because we seem like we're further away. All of that terminology actually doesn't apply if you believe that you are seated with him in heavenly places. The idea that, oh, you know, I'm feeling, I'm not feeling very close to God today. You know, I should have seen me on Tuesday. I was in a good place then. What do you mean you're in a good place then? Where are you now? 
It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. You have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. Yet, Christ, not I, Christ who lives in me. I am seated with him in heavenly places. I'm still in that place. For me to buy the lie that I'm somehow, you know, a bit more distant from God today because I haven't spent as much time in the word or in prayer is actually contrary to the scripture. We have to, by faith, deliberately begin to believe that we are raised up with him. We are seated with him. We can hear his voice. I shared on Friday night that little children need more instruction than than grown-up ones, generally. But actually... We don't despise children for their immaturity as parents, but we delight to help them. When we're immature and we're growing in God, he doesn't despise us and go, well, I'm only only going to speak to them occasionally just to teach them that they really should be better behaved. He is in there, boots and all. He is right there, ready to help them. He's our ever-present help in time of need. He wants to talk to you when you need his help. And you need his help when you're feeling condemned. You need his help when you're feeling tempted. He's not more distant at that time. And and it's not harder to hear his voice. But the enemy would love you to believe it is. Because if you believe it is, then you'll put up, you'll, you'll buy into the smoke screen that seems to make it harder to hear. You won't be expecting to hear his voice. Because you're believing it's going to be harder. But God wants you to believe. That when you're in the middle of temptation, he's made a way of escape for you. He's right there wanting to show you the way out. In the middle of temptation, he's not standing back and seeing what you're going to do. He's right there going, just ask me, I'll show you the way through. He's ready to talk to you. He's ready to help you. But if you believe that you are not being abandoned by God, that you haven't been disqualified because you're being tempted, but recognize, thank God I don't live here. I'm in heavenly places with you. You're showing me the way out of here. Hallelujah. And the way is to set my affection on you. (laughs) Hooray. Oh, that's right. I'll remind myself I'm seated in heavenly places with him. (sighs) In him. I live and move and have my being, Scripture says. That word in actually means to be positioned at rest. (sighs) Positioned at rest in the reality, oh, thank God. I've confessed my sin and you're faithful and just to forgive me. I receive that forgiveness. (sighs) I am seated with you in heavenly places. You don't look at me and feel frustrated, you look at me and say, I am perfectly righteous. Even though my heart doesn't feel like it, thank God you're greater than my heart. And this is the reality. I can live in this place where I am fully accepted, fully loved. I am perfectly clean, perfectly righteous. That's what justification means. To be justified is as if you never sinned, just as if I never sinned. God did that because there's no other way that you could be connected to him unless you were perfectly holy. The holiness of God, without holiness, no one can see God. Without holiness, no one can be joined to God because light can have no fellowship with darkness. 
So Jesus had to come, not just to forgive you your sin, but actually take it away and take away your old identity and allow you to be born again of the sinless one so that you could be made sinless and holy and perfect. We grow then day by day in how to walk that and to, to, to walk in the reality of it, to have our minds renewed by the washing of his word. We mature in the reality of this magnificent truth. But we don't, uh, we don't miss the heart of God when we, we don't miss out on his help and his affection when we're being tempted. We don't miss out on his voice when we're going through things. He's there wanting to help us, wanting to remind us, hey, you don't even, you don't even have to live here anymore. Lift up your eyes. I'm your helper. Hallelujah. And the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds, it says in Philippians. I want to just read one more verse here from Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says this, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Perfect peace. That's a nice scripture. Some of you could quote it. What are we doing with it? It's an invitation. He'll keep you in perfect peace if you will set your heart, your affections. Not try to get up there, but actually just by faith believe you already are accepted, forgiven, loved. The difficulty comes when we stop believing that we actually are, have the privilege of being seated with him in heavenly places by the grace of God and start believing that we somehow have to spiritually achieve to be able to be there. When we start to buy into the lie that, hang on, you can't really just, I'm just like, be there. You, you need to spiritually perform to be able to be close to God and hear his voice. Actually, no, that's, that's not true. It's by grace we're saved through faith. And that means we are already raised up, seated with him. And the moment the enemy starts to whisper in your ear and say, well, you know, Sarah's closer to God than, than you are. You, you know, maybe one day you might be able to hear God. You have, to, you have to go, hang on, no, I'm actually already seated with him in heavenly places. I can grow in grace and favor. I can grow in my knowledge of him, hallelujah. But I, I can trust that I am fully loved, fully accepted. I'm already seated here with him. And it's the place where you begin to get to really know him. It's the place where intimacy begins because you cannot approach God but by faith. It's faith that pleases God. And the good news is he's already given you a measure of faith. You don't even have to try and get that. You just have to start exercising it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just take a moment and just begin to think about this reality, that if you've repented of your sin, you've given it over to God, you've received forgiveness from him, if you've been born again, what does it feel like to in reality be seated in heavenly places with Christ. 
He's seated at the right hand of God. You are in him. You're not, you're as close to him as you can be because he has joined you to his own body. You have been joined to Christ. You've become one with him through the cross. <laughs> you're not, you're not full of shame. You, you, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be ashamed because if you've given you over your sin, if you've repented, he's forgiven you. What does it feel like? To be fully forgiven, fully cleansed, where he doesn't even remember or think about your sin. He looks at you and says, you're altogether lovely. You're perfect. You're clean. You're righteous. You're holy. You've been qualified to have full communion with me. If we would believe that, worship would become an ecstatic joy. It would be so glorious, we'd have to start crying out for Holy Spirit help to handle the joy. Most of us think we can worship God a bit from a distance, but we, if we actually begin to believe the Bible that I am in him, I am seated with him, I am fully accepted, I'm not condemned, I don't have to feel ashamed, I can get my emotions and set them on this reality, this truth, and cause them to line up with the reality. I already have the Prince of Peace living on the inside of me. It's already there. I can. I have peace flowing through me. Why am I even struggling? I just let go and live in the peace of God. I'm forgiven, I'm clean, I'm loved. Ah, hallelujah, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, it's all living in the inside of me. Ah. And when I look at God, I don't have to be ashamed. I am totally accepted. I'm totally loved. And I can bring you worship. It's not worship like, here I am to worship, feeling like a hypocrite. Oh, I really hope that I have an encounter with you today. Please, Jesus. We can go, oh, God, you're wonderful. I worship you. Ah, I give you, I pour out my love on you. You can have faith that you can pour out your love on him. You don't have to go through a whole lot of rigmarole. You can run straight up to the throne of grace. I used to think, you know, I've got to do this and then I've got to do that and then I can do that and then maybe I'll come close to the throne. But actually, I have daughter's privileges. I can just run straight in. I can boldly approach the throne of grace because it's the righteous who are as bold as a lion. And my righteousness is not of myself, but of Christ. As I reckon myself dead, Alive to Christ, I can boldly approach his throne. I can commune with the Godhead. Oh, oh look, that's an invitation I don't think you recognize. Oh. <laughs> I just get happy thinking about that. What a pastime. And just commune with the Godhead. I was doing that on the plane. Thinking, oh, oh God, help me, just, just help me to not hit the person next beside me with my delight and my joy. The Holy Spirit wants to so 
engage you in fellowship on a level beyond what you've experienced before. And it will begin by believing in the redemption of Jesus Christ, in believing in the righteousness that is actually given you. Righteousness leads to supernatural peace. That place where ah, I actually can rest knowing I don't have to be afraid, knowing I don't have to be anxious, knowing I'm totally accepted, totally loved, empowered to live righteously. I have the motives of Christ. I have the heart and the nature of Christ in me. And as you ponder and think about that and live in that place, it can't help but get joyful because it's in his presence that there's fullness of joy. So if you believe you're righteous, you can come into his presence. If you believe and receive that you have the Prince of Peace living on the inside of you, the storm of emotions that tries to swirl around and keep you anchored to the earth is no longer relevant because the peace of God overcomes the storm. Hallelujah. And as you embrace the peace of God, you can fully enjoy the presence of the Lord in which there is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's the place where you come out shining and looking for who you can lay hands on.